Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Wednesday Q&A. You ask the questions that I answer, and I'm answering with my fearless sister from another mister, fellow physical therapist and lit senior teacher, Kristen Williams. I always feel like I'm doing, I always feel like I'm doing like a game show. Let's dive right in. Kath2909. She asks, cervical arthritis, what is it and how would you adapt the lit practice for that? That's the million dollar question right there. Um, Studies have shown that we start getting arthritis in our neck as early as our 20s. So arthritis is basically when your body starts, the joints start to to degenerate. And that can be evidenced by either an increase in bony growth or a degeneration or decrease in space. So a lot of times, I believe though, people are diagnosed with arthritis in the neck, especially a little too early. Uh, because they're diagnosed with an x-ray. And you may agree with me here. An an x-ray is just a picture in time. And posture matters. I know, my gosh, we keep coming back this, Laura, don't we? Posture matters. So you take that snapshot of somebody in poor posture, and it may appear that they have arthritic changes that are not necessarily there per se. Or let's be honest, we do start getting crappy posture in our neck around the age four or five is what I see. We start slouching and it translates right up into our neck. So we might have some arthritic change. But to say, how is that going to change your yoga practice? What I love about the lit method is it already is really heavily focused on neck alignment. 
and restoring that lumbar lordosis, restoring that good cervical posture, which is treating for all intents and purposes Uh, cervical arthritis. What do you say? I would totally agree. I I would say that x-rays are one of those things that I think really most practitioners, it's not that we wouldn't ever think they're valuable because they certainly can answer some questions when other things can't. You know, we we literally can't x-ray in. But I do think um, the effect it can have psychologically on people, especially when it's your neck, can be very devastating. And there, you get this whole idea that there's like fragility of the neck and, oh my gosh, I can't do anything and what can I do? And you get stiffer and, and yeah, I mean, so much of it is positional, like you're saying, and postural. So let's just say that you did have some arthritic changes. So what is it? It's where the, the cartilage between the different vertebra that, um, you know, that makes movement smooth has been worn down by Again, it's always, listen, anytime you have arthritis of this kind, osteoarthritis, it's poor mechanics done enough time or poor position suboptimally that have um, worn and torn that down. There are people who get into their 80s and 90s and, and, and won't have it because they've had great posture. I bet there's, you know, like, what is it? The, the generation, the great generation or whatever, you know, uh, during uh, World War One and World War II. Like, I bet some of those... Uh, men, if we had looked at them, and women too, but men, because they were so trained early on, this kind of upright military posture and much more active and and not sitting at a desk and on and on, I bet we could look at like, or we could even go now and look at the differences between people who really don't sit much, who live in a culture that that's not part of their daily life and the ones who do and see, I bet that there would be 80 and 90. So it's not like you're doomed to have it just because you're getting old. Uh, but let's say you are you have been diagnosed with some degree of it. What what it is incumbent upon you to really work on your posture because it was probably your posture and the movement of your skull forward or or in that forward head position that started this just cycle. And it's not like cycle is not quite the word. It's it started the pathway, but it's just the beginning of the pathway. And I think everything is. Um, at least mildly correctable, if not, you know, moderately. And I just agree with you so much. Like it really comes back to aligning your skull where it should be. And, uh, and that in, in all the curves of the spine supporting that, having your core strong. And that's not just like good abs. It's everything that supports that. The muscles in the front of uh, your throat, the neck muscles get really weakened. And that is when your head is shifted forward, they get stretched out, they're weaker. And then these superficial muscles like the SCM and some of the scalenes, the sternocleidomastoid, uh, they are overly used. And you just don't have like kind of the strength. I, I've, I've seen people, I was working with a private client the other day and her neck, she was in a car accident. But prior to that, she said she had bad posture. So it's like a car accident might have made it a little bit worse. Maybe, who knows? And, you know, getting her in quadruped and having her neck in alignment was virtually impossible. Like she has so uh, weakened the those deep cervical neck flexors, her head was just hanging. So yeah, it all comes down to posture. It matters. And, you know, we have our posture series, so everybody can work on, and there's a, you know, and the neck connects to the thoracic spine and that connects to the lumbar spine and that connects to the pelvis. And it's like, 
You just go down the chain and every part of it has to kind of be in a good position because they all influence each other. And I love your statement that just because you get the diagnosis, it's not a death sentence. It is, it's, it is such a, it's just, and it is a mind game. People are like, oh my God, I've lost my cervical vertebrae. My, my lordosis is gone. My cervical spine's flattened out. I've got to have all these fancy names for it. And it's like, it's just posture, you know? Yes. And, and, and it, like you said, it is moderately reversible. I, I would agree with you there. And PS, our lit, our lit method does, does nothing but help it because we're not doing anything where you're putting compressive forces on the vertebra. We don't do headstands, you know, shoulder stands, plow, any of that silliness. Um, and so there's really nothing you really have to do to modify it. It's that you're going to have to strengthen more. Like I was saying, like with this woman in plank and even quadruped, it, it doesn't mean don't do it. But what I said to her is you're going to need to do a lot of stuff upright, like against the wall where you get that feedback. Because it's not that in quadruped, it's going to reinforce it, but she just doesn't have the strength yet. And I would say do quadruped, but you're going to also have to do a lot of things where you're upright and you don't have gravity pulling that head down without the strength. And it is amazing how hard it is for people to change their plank and their quadruped neck position. It is hard to retract that cervical spine against gravity, like you're saying, yeah. if you've never done it. And people are like, whoa, how hard that is. And yeah. So that also, I think, really furthers the argument of how bad a forward head posture is. You know, think how heavy the head is, is exemplified, just I mean, amplified uh, by how hard it is to maintain good posture in plank and quadruped. Yeah. And if you like, if you're doing it and, and, and not aware of it, one could say you're, you're not, you're further exacerbating in a way, because what you're doing is once your head is out of alignment, trust me, the rest of your spine is out of alignment too. You're probably going to pop up in your pelvis a little bit to count. It's like a seesaw. You're going to try and counterbalance that, or you'll, you'll try and really uh, use your chest muscles to help out with the heavy weight of your head. So I the other thing I had her do which is which was really helpful is bringing one hand behind her skull and li- and and getting the feeling of lifting her skull up into the hand. That is really hard when you don't have those deep cervical flexors working for you, but that's a really good one to do so you're against gravity, you've got some feedback. All these things we talk about it all the time in this method is it, you need a lot of feedback because your brain cannot be trusted. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so um, yeah, that was like that was, but yeah, the main thing is with arthritis, wherever it is, uh, we are going to have get into a rheumatoid arthritis question next, actually. Uh, but sir, like osteoarthritis, uh, don't let that be a death sentence, but know that your posture and your alignment matter even more, even more. So the next question is by Luna Star Yoga, and she asks, any advice on rheumatoid arthritis and stiff hands? So you want to explain the difference between rheumatoid and osteo because they are different and Kristen will take, take away with that. Yeah, they're, they're very different. Um, rheumatoid arthritis is an autoimmune disease. And so they, pre- the pre- they present very differently and they have dramatically different uh, contraindications. Um, you typically do see with the rheumatoid arthritis that stiffness in the hands, um, definitely deformity in the hands. And so that's specifically what her question is about. 
I just want to segue a little bit. So osteoarthritis is, like you said, it's a degenerative, basically, usually due to poor mechanics. Whereas with rheumatoid arthritis, there's an autoimmune, usually a genetic type of, or you know, some sort of hormonal, you know, g- genetic component. But they're very different. And with rheumatoid, we will see that stiffness can also be coupled with other areas of hypermobility. So instability is what the difference is, in my opinion, the big, at least for the purposes of our audience and uh, exercise, is when you have rheumatoid arthritis, you have areas of instability, which makes you very vulnerable. Whereas with arthritis, yes, you can have instability with a like a really arthritic joint because it gets worn down so much that then the ligaments are like just little flappy bands there. But um, for the stiffness in the hands, uh, it, it, it was her question more, what can I do? See, it seems like any advice on, on, um, on with that, that's what I would think. That was literally, you know, because they only have a couple lines to write. So it's like any advice on rheumatoid. So let's assume that she's saying, um, whether it's her or somebody she worked with, has rheumatoid arthritis and their hands are stiff because of that. Because the stiffening, like Kristen was saying, happens a lot because... You know that um, all of those joints. It, there's so many joints in the hand, and all those joints from, you know, the the metacarpals downward and the phalanges, um, they can they can twist and turn and and get a little gnarled and all. You know, this kind of deformity that's part of the uh, it's part of the disease. And so, and then of course, there's a lot of stiffness with it because when you're swollen, you can't move those fingers very well. I would say, because I have worked with a few, not that many. The first thing I always say with any kind of autoimmune disease, and I say this full disclaimer that I'm not a integrative doctor, but go to an integrative doctor and because there are so many things you can do, what you eat, what you put in your body that can really impact the autoimmune component. Because your autoimmune means something is being hypervigilant and attacking your body. And so what we're trying to do is like calm that down. And there's more and more understandings of different, you know, whether it's diabetes one or whether it's thyroid or whether it's something like rheumatoid. There are more understandings of this that it's very linked to nutrition, to supplementation, you know, to the acidity in your stomach, all of these things. So that would be my first thing is like, really, those are things that you can control, like the ecosystem. And then I would say, if you know you're going to practice, really warm up your hands. So of course, in the clinic, we have these wonderful, um, you know, we can give you the, what are the things called? They're paraffin. So it's like the hot wax. I mean, that has been, I think, Everybody loves that. I mean, who doesn't? I love it. But I, and but anybody that has that stiffness, that swelling, and that with the stiffness and swelling, especially in the digits, it's like in the feet that the, the recirculation is just not as good because it's so distal. So getting some heat before you practice uh, would really help. And I think really moving, mobilizing as much as you can, all of those independent joints, obviously without causing more pain or anything, because weight bearing, you weight bearing can paradoxically help, just like it can paradoxically help carpal tunnel if you prepare it well, if you prepare the weight bearing. That would be the the recommendation I would have. I don't know if you... And and just massaging, like really getting into the intrinsic muscles of the hand. 
because uh, they're going to be, you know, those muscles. So intrinsic means muscles that are in the hand themselves that originate there, that don't originate up in the forearm. Um, really getting into those and and mobilizing and massaging them. And I would also say some sort of um, prop. You know, the yoga jellies are nice. So, you know, propping yeah. up using towels. You know, things that will decrease the amount of pressure through the joint. Because with the rheumatoid, yes, sometimes it's 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 there. It's not going anywhere. You know, you 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 can try to loosen it, and you can with the warm up, but you might need a little bit of a prop. So I love those yoga jellies, the little pads. Yeah, those are great for anybody that has like ganglion or some kind of wrist uh, flexibility issue. And and yes, so that's that's that I hope helps. Uh, but yeah, look at all the different ways that you can impact. Uh, the rheumatoid arthritis from the inside out as well. Yes. Okay. Um, Birdie6873. She damaged my rotator cuff and now yoga makes it worse even after longish breaks help. <laughs> well, Birdie, first of all, are you practicing lit yoga? That would be, these are, these are from Instagram. So I'm not assuming everybody does. I know not everybody does. And that would be the first thing I would say is whether it's our style or something, you've got to practice with people who know what the F they're talking about. Because rotator cuff, it, you know, if you've said it's it's worse, well, it's you damaged it and yoga makes it worse. Like, yeah, that means that something is you're not the way you're practicing um, needs to be evaluated. So that would be my first thing is like, what kind of practice are you deal, dealing with? So, for instance, just throwing it out there because I've known this to be a case. If it's ashtanga, you're going to need to just totally change that um, because it's so so heavy. In the in the vinyasas, in the jump throughs, in the in the um, all of it, um, with not very much, not any core preparation, not integration, not really telling you how to um, load the shoulder. So you really, it does matter what kind of uh, yoga you practice, and especially if you've already damaged it. So I would first say you've got to go to our our page and and practice that. Then if you're say you're on our page and it's still bothering you. you probably set up a private with someone. We have lots of lit instructors. You need somebody to look at you. Like we were just saying a minute ago, like you don't, your brain, you can't trust your brain. It's not knowing where you are in space yet. Um, that would be, those are the big advice I would give. Yeah. I would, uh, I would video yourself. I would, I would really look at your technique or have someone like you said, look at your technique. I know I've torn something in my shoulder. I did it several years ago and it, it bothered me for several months. Um, and I, I'm a physical therapist, so I didn't go to PT, but I did my rudimentary PT exercises. I still kept practicing my lit yoga. Um, I made minor adjustments at time. I still do when it's flared up for whatever reason. Um, but the way we practice it, like you said, the reset, that integration, that warm up, that preparedness of the core and the scapula is crucial for a rotator cuff because otherwise we are going to put it right into that shoulder joint. Um, it's the most mobile, so it's the easiest one to defer to. If you're lacking mobility in the upper back or the neck or strength in the core, it's going to go right into that most mobile joint of your shoulder and your rotator cuff is going to pay the price. So I would certainly um, watch yourself, have somebody watch you, and then um, get on our page and start practicing some good yoga that prepares you and you're not doing a thousand vinyasas like you're saying. Because 
playing chaturanga is hard on a hot shoulder. I mean, when mine's lit up, I can't do as many plank lowerings and I just don't. And it's not an ego thing. It's just a, you know what, shoulder, you need a little break. I give it a little love and then it gets better because it's being rehabbed. The shoulder's being rehabbed. I mean, the scapula's being rehabbed, the the back and the core. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is that um, I was, I would add to that, like, Focus a lot on the isometric part. What that what that means is like the holding. So hold a plank or hold quadruped. Bend the elbows maybe a little bit, but don't go all the way down. Um, I find that to be hard, difficult, muscu- you know, from a muscular firing standpoint, but super beneficial because you're laying down better movement patterns. And you you have to really kind of break it down like that. You can't just just say, oh, it's feeling good today, and then go back to doing it the way you were. You almost have to trust that there is something in the mechanics, especially since you're saying yoga makes it worse. There's something in the mechanics that you're doing that um, needs refining and needs, that's what we, what we would say, uh, you know, motor map, like better brain mapping. So a lot of that is going to be more like a hold as opposed to a bunch of lowering and coming back up and really being able to find, you know, the support, the rotator cuff needs. It provides support, but there's other things that also help it. And if you're going really fast and you're going back into old movement patterns, you're just going to, you know, kind of trigger it again. Yeah. I always think of it like a scab. You know, if you keep going in the same movement pattern, you're going to scratch the scab and it's going to get irritated again. You've got to change that movement pattern. So you pull the scab away from the source of injury and then eventually a scab heals and falls off. And the, you know, can't, no, you can't heal a torn tendon, but you can heal an inflamed tendon right? of the time. So um, if yeah. you change the mechanic and just let you quit that friction, you know, stop scratching the scab. Exactly. And think about, again, we always say this, your body's talking to you. If, you're, if it was doing pretty well, and then it's feeling like, you know, you get back into doing it and it's worse, worse after longish breaks. Well, that means A, during those breaks, you need to be rehabbing it. You need to be doing some strengthening. And you can just YouTube rotator cuff exercises early on when people are really like like these isometric things that we're talking about, where you go against a wall or you use the band and you're not like loading it because there's unloaded stuff, which is called open chain exercises, which has a lot of value for strengthening that area before you load it in weight bearing when a lot more neurologically has to be happening. So yeah, YouTube that, but maybe we'll make a little, you know, fun little rotator cuff series sometime. Kristen and I always are popping ideas and we can do that from like, you know, the baby steps to to bigger steps. So you're giving us ideas. All right. So take care, Birdie, and let us know. I love all these questions. I'm going to, we're going to have one more. And this one is Jessica P81, how to not hunch tighten while sleeping. I go to bed with okay, but wake up tight. I'm a fetal sleeper. <laughs> well, sleeping, all bets are off. <laughs> I, mean, I honestly think my best answer for those types of questions is, and your partner may not appreciate this, but you know, pillows and bolsters. And you know, if there's something that you're doing in your sleep, like you said, all bets are off. You're asleep. You, you really, you're, 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 this is subconscious. But if you're feeling really stiff in your shoulders and your hips, if you can look into getting a body pillow or using pillows to prop yourself up, you would be surprised. That's a game changer. (laughs) 
I totally agree. I think the big, like I always say, I wish I had never gotten rid of my big pregnant uh, body pillow because it just aligns your shoulders, your hips. It's so good. And there, yeah, you still can roll away from it, but you, there's just a lot more to uh, kind of to mold around. So if you're already doing a little fetal, it'll give you that fetal like feeling, but you won't, you won't be going so rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Body pillow. Yeah. Yeah, Body pillow all the way. I'm telling you, it'll be, it'll change your life. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for all your great questions. Thank you, Kristen, as always. And I'm pulling for you guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.